0: You're listening to Whoa. Hot Luck Hot
1: Luck And what is poppin' everybody? You are listening to the Good Pop Culture Club episode 146. My name is Marvin Yu, and joining me to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days. We have the once and future professional Asian American Jess Jew.
0: Hey, hey Marvin! What up, Jess? Uh, my roof. My roof is the ask opposite. About your roof. It's not. Know, <laughs> it's it's not like Nelly where the roof is on fire. It's quite the antithesis of the roof being on fire. It is a. Uh, it is moist. It is drowning. It's soggy. You know, we just got hit by another big rain. It's called an atmospheric river. I learned that on the TikTok. Um, and did you guys see the tornado? I was in the There's tornadoes oh God. now. We have tornadoes. We have tornadoes now. What, uh, what unprecedented times! <laughs> uh,
1: also joining us, the most professional culture editor Han Win.
2: Hey. Hey
1: Han, how's your roof holding up?
2: Uh, pretty well. Uh, of all the issues I've ever had at my place, uh, leaks and that type of stuff is not part of it. So yeah, good. just uh, possums and things like that. You know,
1: <laughs> the tornado stuff is kind of distressing because we. Aren't built for heavy rain, but we're definitely not built for tornadoes. Like
0: no. No. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I don't think anyone like was killed. Mm-hmm. Um, it ripped some roofs off. And obviously not great. Yeah. But you
1: need that roof for the
0: rain. You you do need the roof <laughs> for the rain. I I know, Marvin. <laughs> Believe me, I know. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's it's just wild. Is this how folks who live in like the Midwest feel about california earthquakes or earthquakes like you remember how we were ragging in all the dc folks for like that earthquake response is this like karma chromatic retribution
1: i mean it's just further proof that the world is effed up beyond repair and um yeah climate change is it
0: real bleak happy friday everyone <laughs> <laughs>
1: Han, uh, you're on vacation. How's your vacation going in this rainy, rainy California weather?
2: I mean, it's okay. Obviously, you know, I'm recording this, so I'm not, like, off to some, like, tropical locale or, you know, uh, or even on a day trip. I'm doing a staycation. um, And because of the rain, you know, I've been taking the rainy days as opportunities to, you know, get, like stuff done and including watching k-dramas which is not too different i guess yeah also
1: when hans on vacation that means that we can get together and that's what we did this week we got together at the los angeles alamo draft house and watched this week's film creed 3
2: yeah that means i'm available during week weekdays (laughs) to get out of the house yeah
1: we'll be discussing creed 3 later on the episode but before we get to that um Let's find out what's been getting us through this week. Um, Let's start with Han. Since we're on your vacation, (laughs) what's popping?
2: So already on my vacation, I've watched two reality shows (laughs) through. um, And one of them is an older one. Well, not too old. Maybe two years old. It's called Supermodel Me, uh, colon, revolution. Uh, So what I have gathered is that Supermodel Me, was a sort of the Asian version of Top Model. Um, but Revolution is, I guess, the new version of it. But it was only t- 2021. So I don't know if there's any other ones. I'm very confused. I have to look, look it up. But what I thought was interesting is when I said it's the Ameri- uh, Asian version, it, it, this particular one was set in Singapore. And it, it included um, uh, contestants from all over Asia, except not- noticeably – Not a lot of East Asians. So there was one Chinese person um, and the rest were like Vietnam, Philippines, uh, Malaysia, Hong Kong, uh, Singapore, Indonesia. So a lot more Southeast Asian um, representation. So when I looked up all of the heights, um, the tallest one was 5'9" which would be considered on the slightly shorter side for America's next top model. And the shortest one was five six. So I was just like, oh, maybe if they had included or maybe if they didn't want to include like, you know, Koreans or Japanese or more Chinese people, the, the height would have been skewed. So maybe they did this on purpose. I don't know. Um
1: I mean, it sounds like it's a Singapore-based production, so Southeast Asia would probably be where they're drawing from. I don't yes. think the Chinese, Korean, Japanese height spread <laughs> is gonna make that much of a change. It
2: it it was just significant, just because I was like, oh, why is there only one Chinese person? So, but I also feel like maybe the um, entertainment culture, you know, as far as inclusion goes, might be like. Korea doesn't need a, a model show or need to compete against these people because they probably have like, I don't know, <laughs> like the entertainment business is so strong there. So I'm kind of like, maybe that would be unfair. I don't know. I mean, also
1: if we're talking about Southeast Asia, how many of these Southeast Asians were are like actually Chinese as well? You know, because a lot you know, of us they're, out they're, there, a lot of us in, in all these countries, because, you know.
2: Yeah, it was interesting because there were some people who were very obviously, you know, Hapa in some way. Um, but then there are people I was like, I don't know what you are, but you definitely have a kind of a Britishy uh, English accent. And so I was like, and then later when they would do like, spe- like, they got far enough and you got, you know, the phone call from your family, all their family members were Asian. So I was like, or at least their mom was. So I was like, oh, okay. I kind of see where this is going. But um, so that was interesting, which is um, a lot of them uh, didn't speak English as their first language. Um, so they had to speak to other people uh, who who's, you know, English was not their first language either. But then there are some British Asians, um, like the Hong Kong lady. Um, and so there's some stuff like that where it was mixed and um, and it was, I don't know. I haven't watched Top Model in forever. I, I, is it even on? But it just reminds me about like how different the culture is right now versus what it was. Maybe Top Model has the same similar like ethos, but there was definitely talk of like, bullying and um and uh body shaming and stuff like that and so I was like okay that's really interesting but yeah so there of course there were two Vietnamese and there was one uh, Vietnamese person uh, contestant I really liked and was gunning for I actually liked the Chinese uh, contestant too and so you know you get your favorites but it was interesting to me because it's like I I was like do I even want to watch this because I was like it's models this is going to make me feel bad about myself (laughs) they're also in their 20s one was 17 you know oh my god
0: um, no 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 right
2: but it was just still interesting because I I definitely watched it from the point point of view of, of someone who's like, oh, I understand why there's drama in the house because you're all 20s. <laughs> you know, it's like, the lobes have not formed. <laughs> right, right, right. So it was kind of like I could watch it from a little bit removed. Um, and it was interesting just to, you know, be reminded of like the challenges and like what modeling, you know, requires as far as like posing and stuff like that. So yeah, it was interesting. And oh, all the, the clothes were really fun. So, so like uh,
1: in terms of, the judging, or like yes. the, um, I guess the rubrics. How mm-hmm. like is it still like it? Is it is a Western a... lens that they're being judged on in terms of beauty? No,
2: no, yeah, no. So it's not about beauty, right? Everyone who's made it to the show has been uh, considered beautiful enough to be a model. But I think what it is is the types of modeling. So let's say there's commercial modeling editorial modeling, beauty modeling, uh, runaway modeling. And so you have to have different skills. And so it's not whether you're or not your face is beautiful, but more of whether you can deliver. You know, like with America's Grace Top Model, the whole thing about smizing? I've
1: never mm-hmm. watched that show.
2: <gasps> okay, so Marvin, there's something called smizing, which is where you smile with your eyes, but not with your mouth, because that brings the intensity out. And so if you can smize into the camera, That means you're connecting with whoever the audience is. Um, And so that was a lot of this where it's people like you look beautiful. Your feet are kind of weirdly posed. But the thing is, your eyes are like dead. So it was it was it's rarely about anyone being beautiful enough. It was all about the actual skill. So if something that if you've never watched a modeling show, then you may not realize the the types of stuff that you need to look for so like even down to the pose oh your feet and your fingers were not pointed in quite the right way or this was just really well awkward so yeah it's, it's it's interesting if if you are a fan of top model in the past i think this was just really interesting to see it from the point of view of um asian models especially asian asian ones not asian american ones um and then of course i followed uh the winner at the end but mm-hmm. <laughs> on instagram but yeah, so it was just interesting. It was short, 10, 10 episodes, all in English, and so you this can is watch on it. on
1: Netflix, right?
2: Yeah, it's on Netflix. So, yeah, and this is a 2021 show. I tried to find other ones, but that was where it ended, so I don't know if they're going to bring it back. If there were <laughs> pandemic issues, I don't know. Though, so, um, yeah. yeah, I I recommend it like just what if you needed something kind of ridiculous to watch, you know, while you're distracted, that's perfect.
0: Noted. All right, Jess, what's popping with you? So, in preparation for Creed 3, please know I have not watched Creed 1 or 2, so I could have used my time to do that. Instead, I chose to watch Rocky 4 uh, in preparation for our little movie outing. For those of you who are unaware, number one, Creed is a franchise as a spinoff of Rocky. Two, I'm sure everyone knows that, right?
1: Yeah, it's the ninth Rocky movie
0: technically the ninth Rocky movie. Um, So this is the fourth Rocky movie. It was written and directed by Sylvester Stallone in the 80s. And it it is exactly what you expect from a Rocky movie written and directed by Sylvester Stallone in the 80s. Okay, so number one, pro. It is like 85 minutes long with credits. (laughs) The movie is quite literally like five or six montages stitched together. There is a robot. It is technically a Christmas movie, and um, I had a great time. Is it a good movie? No. Is it a good vehicle for montages? Amazing vehicle for (laughs) montages. Like, I didn't know that a montage could be used to express that many emotions. I feel like usually montages are supposed to be like, you know, we, we're familiar with the makeover montage, the workout montage, the like transformation montage. He has a montage where he's just like driving because in essence, Rocky's responsible for the death of Apollo Creed. He does not throw in the towel. And so there's like a whole montage about like his like sadness, his grief, his guilt. I was just like, I, I did not know you could do that. I guess you could do that when like people are dying and you get the... Okay, so maybe that's not new, but it's... <laughs> I mean,
1: it's a masterclass like class of like, manipulative montage music choice. Like. Cold
0: War politics. I mean, Drago, the very infamous Drago, literally only has like six lines in this movie, um, but they're all bangers. So these have entered the lexicon of my daily life even before I watched this movie. <laughs> uh, so, you know, if he dies, he dies. But again, in the Russian accent, if he dies, he dies i must break you yeah just great great trash talk (laughs) um and but the most ridiculous thing about this movie is the fact that there is a random robot servant nanny that lives with the family and like at one point adrian and rocky are both in russia and i'm like who's watching the kid Okay, ro- yeah, I was, robot?
2: <laughs> I was wondering what the robot was because I have not seen this movie. Um, There's
0: literally like a robot, <laughs> like they're living large in like a big mansion because Rocky's been very successful. And like they literally just have this like robot in the house that like does stuff for them. It's like they're made and like gets them beer and like spends time with the kid. And it's so, it's so out of left field, it's so 80s, and it's great. And yeah. I think we should add more fun robots into movies
1: do you want to know a fun fact
0: uh it toured with james brown no. after the movie
1: <laughs> um rocky jr the little kid grows up to be played by milo metamiglia
0: yeah but we don't talk about those rocky movies yeah. and, you know i would be really mad at my dad too if he abandoned me on christmas to go fight in <laughs> russia and potentially die
1: hey rocky ball the one that we're my little co-stars in is probably the second best rocky film like, as a I'm film. sure,
0: but I'm just saying I'm just saying, like, I'm not gonna watch those. Does it have the robot? Maybe this robot caretaker is the reason why Robert Jr. is so fucked up and like hates his dad. Um and it's it's just oh yeah, James Brown is in this movie and just does like a three minute straight performance of Living in America. This movie's great. Please watch <laughs> it. You don't have to watch any of the other Rockies, I swear to God. Just watch Rocky Four. Mm,
1: mm, I mean, it's you fun. Don't have to. If you want to actually watch a film, film, probably Rocky. The only one, film, Rocky film is six, Rocky and One. Creed, and Rocky Balboa. Yes. Rocky Balboa is also a pretty solid film, film.
0: Well, it's good. I mean, you, you kind of get to see, um you know, watching this directly and then watching Creed. I'm like, wow, they really just took the same names. How convenient. That's just Duke <laughs> Jr. You can call him Duke. Duke was the trainer in the first, is Apollo's trainer in the first movie as well. So I was just like, Wow, how convenient for everyone involved that everyone has the same name. Uh, but yes, I had a great time, and then going into and then there's a lot of parallels between some of the scenes in Rocky Four and Creed Three, so I felt it was very fitting. <laughs> but Marvin, yeah. what is popping with you?
1: Yeah, what's popping is also sports related. Um, this mm-hmm. past few weeks, I've been watching a lot of baseball, uh, specifically the World Baseball Classic, which is the international tournament that happens every four years, and I mean, pretty consistently, since this tournament started back in 2009, this has been kind of the only time that I've been sincerely excited about baseball. Um, It's like World Cup stakes, except for a sport that I actually understand. So um, the World Baseball Classic has always been a really cool tournament to watch because it's a lot of teams really putting their all into um, winning for their countries. And you get a lot of really great playoff caliber baseball with high stakes um and as always like great storylines emerging um which culminated in last night's championship game between the USA and Japan and mm-hmm. already anytime USA plays Japan in anything that's the finals the potential for racist chicanery is an all-time high oh because, it gets real bad real you fast. Know, you have a bunch of uneducated idiots who always bring up the atomic bomb, World War II, all this like stuff that happened. The like, human
0: war crimes that <laughs> the United States committed in World War II. Yes, yes. But in a positive manner, yes, it's very, very bad luck.
1: Yeah. And maybe this is the only time that I've been thankful for Twitter's new um, for you curated section because um, maybe that's why um, the more um, heinous racist comments were um, omitted from my feed at least that's my theory but yeah this was a really exciting game and it just couldn't have been scripted any better Mm. Uh, japan and u.s have faced each other i think multiple times in past tournaments and are two um, very different styles of play right the u.s team is known for like big hits and home runs and the japan team is known more for um their uh, consistent hitting and base running and speed and so um a showdown between these two countries is always really exciting and it was a pretty close game overall um japan won by one point going into the top of ninth um the us was down by one and it was as if it was Like, scripted like a sports movie or anime. Because in that final inning, victory hinged on a showdown between Japanese ace two-way player Shohei Otani and American power hitter uh, Mike Trout. Um, Both players, um, not only among the best players in the Major League Baseball, but also teammates for the LA Angels. And the game literally came down to the very last pitch. Um, It was a full count, three balls, two strikes. And... Um, Otani gets Mike Trout out swinging. And man, it was, it was really hype. Um, I, got, I know I'm the only one here that's super excited about this, but that
0: sounds fun. I, understand. I love a good sports story. <laughs> I like Shuhei because he's, I, I see him on like Thirst Trap Twitter. Um, and that's, that's always fun. He's a very handsome man. Um, and I just, I just think baseball's kind of boring. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: I have a really big sort of blank in my head when it comes to baseball. Uh, I think if I were involved with the this big match off, uh, then maybe I would be watching it. But yeah, uh, <laughs> I I don't since I don't know anything about it. I'm kind of I don't know exactly what. To, and I guess that's the uh, thing. Like, to if tooth.
1: there was ever a game to like get someone into baseball, this would have been it. But mm-hmm. because America. Mainstream wise, they don't care about this tournament. It didn't really get the marketing that, um, that yeah, it would have gotten. I heard about it. Because honestly, like, again, this is the tournament that got me into baseball to begin with because, mm. like, it's a bunch of teams playing their heart out, similar to the World Cup. Um, tons of stakes on the line. And this tournament is actually one of the few times that Asia gets to shine because the Asian teams are all pretty good. Um, well, Japan and Korea are both really good teams, um, China and Taiwan. Not as much, but um, I guess that's the one bummer thing. It's like the game had the intensity of like a world cup final, but um, only the people that really love baseball were watching it. And, Like all we're seeing, this is like more exciting than like 90% of games played during the regular season, just because the emotional stakes are so high for all these teams. Like there was a really great clip of like Shohei Otani giving like the pep speech. And again, it's like a, it's like a, a sports movie or sports anime where the team captain gives a speech and like I'm paraphrasing, but he pretty much said, I know we're playing against people that we've idolized, that are our heroes, that we revere, but for today, don't revere them. We are here to beat them.
0: He did it. He did the Demi. You think it's going to be awkward like next day in the Angels dugout? Well, I guess it's not baseball season because uh, that is summer. I learned that recently.
1: Spring training starts next week. So technically, they're oh. back at work already. Oh,
0: but it's so wet. Where are they going to train? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's cool. I, I like that. Is it is it wrong to say I'm happy that like an Asian country won? Um, even though Japan is also like they have a very good and very strong baseball infrastructure as well. Uh perhaps one of the biggest outside of the United States might be maybe bigger like relative to like their population. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm happy for yeah the 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 I'm happy for who <laughs> seems to be in, like a nice Japanese man who has a very who is very cute.
1: But yeah, so that's what's popping with me. Good, good, good baseball. And if you've watched the games, you know what I'm talking about. If not, in <laughs> four years, check it out. If this tournament still exists, it's definitely some of the best baseball you'll ever see um, outside of um, like playoff baseball in, in the fall. Um, but yeah, I guess that's what's popping. Um, really quick, let's check in with our podcast within the podcast, Go Asian, um, where we recap The latest season of Top Chef until there are no Asians left. No fear of that, though, because our Asians are doing pretty well. Um, This past episode, we had two really great challenges, I think. Um, The quick fire was the Ritz Cracker Challenge, which spoke to me (laughs) as like someone who's made uh, plenty of Ritz crackers. Mm -hmm. Although my Ritz sandwiches are just ham and cheese, the basics.
2: So that's what you when you buy Ritz or whatever or make stuff, it's ham and cheese on it? Yeah. Okay. It's
1: a classic. What do you do?
2: I'm trying. I'm trying to think. I don't know if I actually make anything or if I just eat Ritz because I love <laughs> how sauce. buttery they are, salty and buttery. I wonder. Do I use? I guess maybe in the past I used to maybe put some peanut butter on it, but I really don't need much on it. That's fair. Big
0: fan of uh, tuna salad on our Ritz oh, cracker. Now I'm yeah.
2: Gonna, I'm now I'm going to have to start like actually buying Ritz again.
0: Yeah. I know. I might go. I might go pick up a box after because <laughs> that tuna salad. I think I'm also really hungry right now. But the uh, that tuna, um, it's it's so much better than the like we had like water crackers, like the Chinese brand water crackers, mm-hmm. like the wheat crackers. It comes in like this very distinctive square, tall, light blue tin. And I hated those. Like they were so like flavorless, like because they're not very salty. And then like I remember the first time I had a Ritz cracker. I'm like, holy shit, why is this so much better?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so May from Top to Thailand won the quick fire, which goes in one win under mm-hmm. the belt. And then the elimination challenge was a rice challenge, which <laughs> <Yes.
0: laughs> meant if we
1: were ever in our element, which made it kind of sad that not many of the Asians did that. Great.
0: Well, you know that's like the dramatic tension because as soon as like you expect someone to do well, they like fuck it up. <laughs> well, uh, May did well. It just May did well. Yeah, I was so like like flabbergasted that like we were screaming at the TVs <laughs> that <laughs> they chose to. Yeah, I'm just like, why would you choose? I mean, are we spoiling? Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah, it's a week later. <laughs> okay, like I'm like, Don, why are you choosing black rice to make kanji? Congee? congee needs to be starchy mm-hmm. and black rice is usually not as starchy. And then the Dale who was like, I've never made it before. How hard can it be? I'm like, you bitches. Well, at least he chose a glutinous rice.
2: Like in some ways he, he delivered actually an okay. But as soon as she said black rice, I was like, that's the wrong texture.
0: It's the wrong texture. It's like crunchy. It's like al right. dente. You're not yes. gonna get the creaminess. Yeah, yeah it's
2: like oh, like and it's uh,
1: it's it's wild because like rice is part of like black food culture, right? Like yes. African food culture, black food culture uses tons of rice. So the the technical kind of glitch there. Yeah,
2: it's like you didn't see anyone trying to use wild rice to make congee. It's kind of like the similar <laughs> thing. It's like you're you have to use the right rice for the right dish and this is something i've been thinking about for a while because when it comes to reality shows um we have shown just how difficult rice is because (laughs) from back in survivor i don't know if you remember season one or two there was like a chef um who was a contestant and you know they gave him a hard uh hard time of it because he couldn't make rice but you know he's also out in the wild trying to get the water to heat up at the right you know, temperature and to keep it enough of a simmer and, you know, having the lid with with enough steam escaping. So I was like, this is something that people don't appreciate is this is why Asian people have rice cookers because just cooking on the stovetop is perfectly possible, but it's more foolproof if you use a rice cooker. Um, Also, there's different types of rices for different types of things. Um, So, like, I remember just thinking, it's like, why does my sushi rice not taste the same and it's like oh different rice different formula all that other stuff uh, so yeah I had my my best friend her mom would make this sort of, I was like why is your rice purple and <laughs> and oh. so yeah there's so many things about rice that people don't know and just they think it's like Uncle Ben so I'm like no no no, no there's other things so yeah I like the, the fact that this challenge highlighted all the different ways you could use it and also all the pitfalls the, uh, who is the one person who both you know, overcooked it and oh, undercooked it.
1: That was um begonia, was it or
2: no, it was uh was it the Polish lady? Oh who, yeah. Who used yes. potatoes. Yes. <laughs> I was fair, like, girl, it's a rice fair. challenge. <laughs> yes.
1: To beavers, she was out of her element for sure. <laughs>
2: there were there are a lot of things about this world uh all stars that I think is interesting because in some regards, you're right, like, the German guy doesn't cook with rice, but that's why he decided to make a biryani, you know? He didn't try to adapt a German thing into using
0: rice. Um, We enjoy our self-aware German man. Yes. Um, he's, He's funny. He's funny. He's like, oh, yes, beloved German cuisine. You know, he's very aware of the rep German food has, so... We respect that, and he's been doing very well. Yes, so. I like I like Tom
2: German Tom, um, German Tom. But I do also think beyond just the ingredients uh, uh, and showing how the different cultures deal with them, there is the difference in rules. So, like we have heard a few times already that um, the top chefs around the world don't exact have the exact same conditions. So, like we've heard from I think Gabri that uh, they don't have the quick fire uh, that short sort of. Uh, that was content.
0: Samuel the French Oh Samuel, okay, French so, contestant. So, so he that was, was like, We get minimum ninety minutes for quick right. fire. Yeah, I and think Gabriel was
1: the one complaining about having to cook outside. shopping.
0: Well, he
2: also it was shopping because he's like, We don't shop with our own like money. We just ask for the ingredients or whatever it is. So he didn't realize that the budget he was going way over. he had to borrow money from May, which I think also violates the rules um but whatever uh, it was it was just interesting how like are are these people at a disadvantage for not knowing these things, and is that fair? I don't know, so yeah, there's been a lot of things that come up, and i I'm always kind of curious like is this still like favoring certain groups of people um but yeah, I mean, so. I
1: don't know there's it's it's an interesting dynamic just because it really feels like and this is not just being like American exceptionalism, but like Top Chef proper is like the big leagues of the Top Chef world. And so to succeed here, you need to be literally like firing all cylinders at all times especially because you're going against a lot of past winners right it -hmm. it, it does make for a a more exciting show um but i it it has not escaped that the first two winners have been um representing top chef middle east and like there's two of them they they both have won at least once charbol Mm -hmm. last week and then ali this week
2: yeah Yeah. i mean ali's just sounded great so (laughs) uh, i know I, i really wanted to eat like something
0: i really needed like a scoop of rice after the
2: show he we, well we, talking about the smoked thing uh and smoked i will have rice to...
1: sounds pretty dope i want i want yes. that
2: and the, i do have to say the i think it's the italian lady who moved to england i forgot her name um even though her dish didn't turn out well it, it is probably one of my favorite uh, colonized dishes. That one's um,
1: begonia, right? That was begonia?
2: Yes. That is the Brazilian woman
0: who moved okay, to Okay, Brazilian. The okay.
2: So so I love Kedgeri. Um, I've only been to London twice, but I've had it three times <laughs> <laughs> since I've been there. Um, and it's definitely a sort of colonized version of uh, an Indian dish. But yeah, I mean, you get curry, rice, and smoked fish. Like, what's not to like? And the fact that she did not do it justice, I was just like, ah. You're killing me here. So um, I really wanted
1: to see a fried rice. I wanted someone to fry some rice. Real it, good.
2: It, right? <laughs> you can make an elevated fried rice. I feel like Buddha should have done something like that. Yeah. And broken maybe is some other rule in order to, you know, do something fun with it. But he seems <laughs> he seems fairly classic. Um anyway. But yeah, so yeah. I was kind of excited. It made me very hungry. Yeah. For sure
1: well um, all the Asians are still in top shift at the moment so um, coalition continues Um, we'll be catching up with I guess this week's episode of top shift next week on uh, good pop Uh, but yeah we're gonna take a quick break when we come back we're talking about Creed three stick around
0: Host the podcast Asians in Baseball alongside Naomi Ko and Scott Okamoto. Asians in Baseball is exactly what it sounds like. A podcast about the Asian and Asian Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander Americans in Major League Baseball. Every week we break down the highlights of what's going on with Asians in Baseball and then take a deeper dive into the Asian and Asian Americans past and present who have shaped baseball as it is today. Whether you're Kim Eng's number one fan or you've never even heard of Hideo Nomo, we've got something for everyone, especially for the Shohei Otani stands. Maybe too much for the Shohei Otani stands. Listen to Asians in Baseball wherever you get podcasts,
2: part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.
1: And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. This week we're talking about Creed 3, the new. Boxing movie from the Rocky franchise, the third movie of the Creed series, the ninth of the Rocky film series. Um, this time, starring and directed by Michael B. Jordan, who reprises his role as Adonis Creed. Um, it's written by Kenan Kugler and Zach Balin, and also stars uh, Tessa Thompson, Jonathan Majors, Wood Harris, Florian Montano, and Felicia Rashad, and featuring Myla Davis Kent as Amara Creed, the deaf daughter of. Um, Adonis and Bianca, who is uh, Tessa Thompson's character. Um, It follows Adonis Creed as he retires from boxing, but gets pulled back when his old friend Dame, played by Jonathan Majors, comes back and essentially pulls him back into the ring. I think, similar to how Creed 1 is a follow-up to the original Rocky and Creed 2 is a follow-up of Rocky 4, this film is... I think, to me, a follow-up to 2006's Rocky Balboa, um, the film which featured uh, Rocky as like an aged uh, retiree coming out of retirement for one last fight against a younger star. Um, In this case, the Rocky Balboa character is mapped onto uh, Jonathan Majors' dame, although he's kind of a more darker mirror of Rocky Balboa uh but yeah i think um we're gonna discuss this film like we usually do and um, we'll keep spoilers till the end um in our spoiler zone after the credits um but we'll you know give you a general idea of what we thought of the film and whether or not we think it's good pop um although i do <laughs> i do feel like it's i don't know if you can spoil a rocky film at this point you kind of know right. what you're coming in for right yeah
2: yeah i mean i think the big spoiler would be if, like like
1: like know, specifics, Creed. right? <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, It would be it would be something where like people already would have made a big deal about it, like you, <laughs> like you know how when Scream premiered and then like Drew Barrymore died, uh, spoiler, um, it became such a big thing that it's now like a trope. So I feel like any real spoiler for a Creed film would be like already talked about so widely <laughs> in the uh, mm. in the uh, discourse. Yeah.
1: Uh, but we'll we'll do our best to keep our uh, like. To keep the specifics um, until yeah, the end, yeah. but yeah, what do we think of Creed three? <laughs> uh,
2: overall, fun. I I don't look. I don't really follow boxing in any way, but I'm always down for a sports film, right? Because it's all about the storytelling, some good montages, and the sp- storytelling in the sport is what hopefully keeps keeps me you know involved. And to that end, it sort of did. Um, I think. Uh, Basically, I was there from Jonathan Majors. (laughs) Um, I don't know if anyone else feels the same, but it's a a satisfying film in that it is a sports film that delivers. Um, But yeah, I kind of felt a little bit disconnected from the main story, I guess, which is weird.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I think Jonathan Majors, I think of, you know, a movie is as good as its antagonist, as its villain and right now i don't think it gets better than jonathan majors he's so interesting mm-hmm. like not only he's good he's just interesting right he mm-hmm. makes very interesting choices um also you know can't be denied that him and michael b jordan have fantastic chemistry uh-huh. both on screen and off i've not seen like romantic or like you know like <laughs> like acting chemistry like that in a long time i think you put a lot of it it seems very algorithmic, right? Like formulaic as like, we're going to put biggest star with biggest star. And then, you know, the math should math and we should be double the stars. But like, we know that's not how movies work. Um, So to find like two actors who are, I mean, obviously I think Michael B. Jordan is more famous, but to find two actors who are kind of can at least like par with each other on that level is really nice. uh, Very fun to watch. But then here's my hot take like Jonathan Majors to me is so good. He makes almost everybody else in this shh, this movie like not that good. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I like Tessa Thompson. I like Michael B. Jordan. I think in the right hands they're very good actors. But there are some moments in this movie where I'm like it was kind of weird. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like Jonathan Majors is in that club of um, actors who. Have you heard of that Roger Ebert quote about Nicolas Cage? About how Nicolas Cage is an actor who um, is great in a good movie, but indispensable in a bad one.
2: Yes. Yeah. That's a really good way to sum it up. Because speaking of bad movies, Quantum (laughs) Mania, Jonathan Majors definitely was the most interesting. about it and he when you talk about interesting choices that he makes he got to be more of a out and out villain who is colorful and uses ridiculous lines and still there were moments where i was just like i I was like marveling at the way he delivered one particular line which might have sounded like flirtation but also sounded menacing so i was just like what happened to me here when i heard this line so in that way, even though he's maybe not quite as ridiculous as he is in a Marvel movie, he still brought so much character to this antagonist who is, you know, he made some interesting choices, but also just uh, acting choices, but also in some ways not too over the top, really. Mm-mm. There are a few moments he had to, like, yeah, you know, be out and stuff like that. But most yeah. of the time, he was still within the, the
0: universe of this movie. But he's just, yeah. he's undeniable. Yeah, just very layered, and obviously, I think we all think he's the best part of this movie. Layered performance created a layered character on something that would have fallen really could have fallen Mm -hmm. very flat. Um, And so interesting because he has to go from being an empathetic character that we want to root for to more of like a dubious villain esque or like kind of you know like a like a real threat, right? Something Mm -hmm. that would get michael b jordan's character to get donnie out of back in the ring and then you know at the end we have this really nice i won't go into details but like we get this very nice like wrap-up moment and it's it's kind of like he's almost he's almost too good in which i i truly was like i don't really understand one of the problems i had with this movie overall even though i really did enjoy it I know nothing about boxing, maybe that's mm-hmm. on me, mm-hmm. but like it seemed like one of the statements rocky was this this movie was trying to make is that there's like a right way to box and a wrong way to box. <laughs> but yeah. in a movie in a sport to me that just seems very much like fighting two two people fighting in a ring, like oh like. Can you be mad that the guy is winning because he's fighting in a way you don't like? Yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, th- I think. I mean, definitely. I don't, I mean, <laughs> I think if it's within the rules, like because you don't agree with his style, like that doesn't. To me, i like, that doesn't The make script
1: does make guy. some interesting decisions, and the the thing that I was thinking about throughout the entire film is like in any other Rocky film, if this was like a Rocky film that like carries the the heart of Rocky films, Jonathan Major's Dame is the protagonist. He's the one, he's the underdog trying to make it back with heart. But because he's kind of a dirty fighter, he's yeah. the villain, which I think... The focus shouldn't have been on like, oh, you're not fighting the right way. The focus should have been on like these two characters and their history, because that is Mm -hmm. what the fight is really about, is them overcoming their past, which is also a very rocky theme.
0: My question is, if, you know, in that scene, if he wasn't fighting dirty, would it have changed the movie at all? Yeah, that's
2: I, I agree in that because of that, I agree with Marvin in that they should have figured out a way to still make him an antagonist. While letting him uh, abide by the rules, because in that way, I think it was made it too easy to villainize him. Oh, like clearly he wasn't playing by boxing rules, right? And mm-hmm. so I was just like, he's he's totally like not a cool guy. And so it it kind of felt sort of like a, too easy. Yeah. Um, it you know give it a character moment, like maybe there's nuances to the way he fights, but this was very clearly like. In boxing, you use your fist that's covered with a glove, right? You can't knee someone. You can't headbutt someone. So you can't use other parts of your body to, like, hurt someone. So I was like, whatever the, you know, rules are, I didn't want him to violate them in that way, you know, um, or or any other way. Like, maybe it would be, would have been maybe a bet, you know, kind of like throwing fights, ethical things there. Like, I'm kind of, I find that sort of gray, Um so, or maybe yeah, there would they, have been some other way to do it. Yeah, and they
1: already set that up, right? They set up they set yes. up a lot of things to make him like, you know, to yeah. Chekhov's
2: gun did not go off in this instance. <laughs> <laughs> not um, the way we yeah. thought it would. So yeah. So, I yeah, I didn't love I mean, that part.
1: Story wise, script wise, I think the film it's definitely not the strongest. Like definitely Creed One, if you ever watch another Creed film, so Jess. Good. Creed one is the best of the films. Creed two is great if you want just want to see the sequel to Rocky four. Um, but I think part of, and I don't know if this is an issue, but like, this is the first Rocky film without Rocky in it.
0: Yes. Right. Because of issues, IP issues and some kind of conflicts with stuff. Sylvester Stallone and the producers of this movie about story credit and, and ownership. So he does not appear in this movie. I don't know if that's missed. Like I don't know. I don't think we need Rocky in these movies. Generally, um, I I just do think, you know the the boxing is all is you know like any sports movie. It's a it's a metaphor mm-hmm. for something else, right? And and I just don't know if the script landed it as well as in some other yeah films. I
1: don't know if we needed Rocky, but it definitely needed like. It- I think this is what my frustration is with it. And again, I really enjoyed it. Like we'll talk about why this film is so fun to watch in a bit. Um, But in terms of like the plot itself, the the pacing just seemed a little off. The stakes didn't feel high. I mean, Rocky films, the best Rocky films, like during the climax when they either win or go the distance is like a very emotional scene. And you like Mm -hmm. you feel the, you know. Sports movie tears welling up, right? And I don't know if I felt that with this film. I don't know if you guys felt that with this film.
2: Yeah. Yeah. uh, Maybe it was because there were a lot of things going on also. Um, I did think that maybe the second best character was the daughter. And so I found some heart there. But there there was also a storyline with his mother, played by Felicia Rashad. And there was a lot of stuff going on to the point where I was like, I don't know if I felt the thing I was supposed to feel when things um in that storyline so i was just like maybe there's just too much going on uh and therefore i couldn't really like just give me one extra plot line maybe (laughs) and and let it be very linear for me i don't know
0: i i think i was also a little confused again i don't know if this is my like lack of knowledge of boxing and therefore i do not understand the emotional stakes but it's initially set up against like you know, this idea of his legacy, of of Donnie's legacy in this boxing gym through this additional boxer named Chavez, um, who's like his star boxer. And then I feel like that's just one level removed, you know, like I have no emotional ties to him or why I should care about him. <laughs> you know, I think it's different if it's you know, like like a lot of the Rocky's movies are familial. Like we we they, mm-hmm. they build off these pre existing relationships. So we care about Donnie because he's Apollo's son. Rocky cares about Donnie because he's Apollo's son. You know, and you know we care that Ivan Drago's son is coming <laughs> back. You know, so so yeah. I'm just like I don't understand why we're wrapping this setup, this emotional setup on this like boxer we've never been before. That's like to me, I'm just like you're kind of just a sore loser. Like it's the name of the game. If if the infrastructure or the structure of boxing is that anyone can challenge the reigning heavyweight or champion and if they just win that match, it's like Elder Wand rules. You become the new champion. I'm like, okay, like it sucks that your dude lost, but he lost. So I don't know. And like the worst he's doing is talking trash about your family and like potentially making you look bad as an owner of a gym. I mean, obviously there's like an emotional story, but like I don't know if that's like I was like, is that stake enough for me to care that you need to get back in the ring? Yeah. Like maybe just like be a grown up and like not engage. (laughs) Yeah, I mean But it's a boxing movie, right? So we have to get them back in the ring.
1: Yeah, I mean Rocky like there's always a mid fight in a Rocky movie, and that's usually when the main character loses and needs to like like Rocky movies, the best ones are all about overcoming the odds right the first rocky movie is about this underdog who um came in and even though he didn't win he went the distance which was more than anyone gave him gave him credit for and that's where kind of the emotional stakes come in and in this film i think it's because again jonathan majors is damian anderson is essentially the rocky character right he comes in he's no one's giving him a shot and he takes it and he wins through Grit, perseverance, and a little dirty fighting, right? And so there's no I think what the film is definitely missing is Adonis Creed versus Dame. We're told that it's a long shot for Adonis because he's out of practice. But we're not, we don't, you don't really feel yeah, that no. like this insurmountable. Like he's an insurmountable.
2: Yeah. There's, rival. This er, there's this early scene of him where he's like shirtless brushing his teeth, and I'm just like, oh. Because there is no way that guy is out of shape.
0: I'm like, that's you out of shape? That's you, like, out to pasture in three years? Like, come on, get fat like Sylvester Stallone did. Also, yeah, Commit like, Rocky, it. Rocky
1: Balboa Stallone is, like, old and beat up. I know, you know, I know black people age the same way Asian people do. But, like, these are supposed to be out of, like, out of shape, like, over the hill fighters.
0: Yeah, I just I just you know like in in the you know we could talk more about spoilers, but I do mm-hmm. wonder like what is the stake for him? Like either outcome, I'm like does it change your life that much? Or does it change how you see yourself that much? I don't think it necessarily did for Donnie. Um I feel like it would have changed a lot for um for dame, dame. dame. Yeah. so which is why it, it has that problem that usually tv shows have where you realize that your protagonist is not as interesting as like another character um so you know the very the 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 wish what's the wish like the maybe you know there's a spinoff movie with dame anderson like post this fight like how does he come mm-hmm. back like what does this life look like um and and you know like and then I think in that way, no, that would just be remaking this movie because I do feel like now <laughs> the um, the Creed character, Donnie, needs to now step into a mentor role. And, you know, it hints at that, but the way that the movie hints at it, it might be a few years before we get there.
1: Yeah. Um, I know we've talked a lot about um, the plot and if, or if it doesn't work. What does work in this film is all like, The good, rocky staples, right? The fights are really cool. The training montages are great.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, We talked a little bit about that when it came to Chang Can Dunk. And, of course, this is an actual theatrical movie. So (laughs) with a history um, and legacy that it has to fulfill. And I definitely think it does do that. So that was really
0: great. Really great L.A. movie. Oh, wow. Surprisingly. LA. Fantastic yeah. L.A. movie. That montage made me really want to go run on the Sixth Street Rich. <laughs> <laughs> which I passed on my way home. And I was like, oh, that's very cool. And um, I guess I didn't realize that Creed. Now, I, I I believe the first one was in Philadelphia, right?
1: It starts off in L.A. He moves to Philadelphia to train with Rocky.
0: He moves. OK, so I didn't realize, like, we're back in L.A. and I'm like, it's a very L.A. movie. Um, You know, the 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 hills overlooking you know the city at their house the the the, all the running across bridges working out on the beach uh it's it's lovely yeah and the finale which is not a spoiler
2: is at dodger stadium so there you go yes the
0: battle for los angeles um (laughs) that's great uh crypto.com arena, yes oh, God. i was appearance. groaning
1: the entire time because yes. i've still not have not come to terms with the rename of staple center to crypto.com uh, arena
0: agreed it is so accurate it's, we it's kept it's so stupid name. weird it is so weird because you know i didn't realize that in the renaming they would also be repainting it so it's no longer purple it's black. Which is really fucking weird. Like it's white. It looks very sterile. I don't like it. Uh, I went for a Lakers game recently and I was just like, this is weird. Um, but you know, that's not this movie's fault that the that no one buys office supplies at a brick and mortar anymore.
1: Yeah, that's, that's capitalism. As always. Yes.
0: Um <laughs> I also was like, another uh so yeah, no, great LA movie. Um it it's in the, in the spectrum of making me want to work out, it like it ranks below Woman King, but above like what's the, like above Puss in Boots, you know, so <laughs> Puss in Boots is also a good movie. But it is yeah. a very good movie with also anime influences, yeah. which I believe Marvin is itching to talk about. <laughs>
1: Yeah, a lot has been said about Michael B. Jordan, some anime influences, mm-hmm. um, a lot of great iconic shots like the cross counter and the, the 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 scene where he gets punched in the gut so hard that like the mm-hmm. shockwave goes through his stomach. Um, what did you all think about? I mean, I think I'm probably the only one that kind of noted these um I guess homages or or callbacks. Um,
0: excuse me, you are not the only <laughs> anime nerd in this podcast discussion, Marvin. I too spent many an hours <laughs> watching um, Dragon Ball Z, which there's a lot of influence in that. And you know, I too had a Naruto poster in my room, like little Donnie in the in the first scene of the movie. Um, I thought it was a very, I loved it. Um, every time I I caught a reference, I was like anime. <laughs> um, it's just a really fun, I don't, I don't think it was, I think it was done very well balanced because if you didn't know, I don't think it necessarily took away too much or like was like super out of place. Yeah. But it was enough and it, it created a different, a different language to this sports movie. I, I, you know, and obviously they have the bigger set piece with like the dream sequence <laughs> It's called the empty void. Empty stadium, void yeah. fight. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, that's a really cool, interesting way to do what would have been like a more, you know, a traditional montage or fast forward in a sports movie. Yeah.
2: I You know, I think this is one thing when you go into a movie kind of already knowing anime. And sometimes mm-hmm. while you may notice that there are some really cool things happening visually, um, it's also maybe part of our cinematic language already so it doesn't feel out of place for me uh and and it and it feels pretty natural but having said that i will say that you know because this is stuff we would probably see in a lot of other asian films too like live action asian films um because you know just like how let's say with korean stuff the the uh Three times flashback, you know, (laughs) Uh, we're used to that. So I think there are some things that we're used to that when they put it in a strictly American film, it's like, uh, (laughs) woo, visual language. Right. And so that's what I did appreciate is that he brought as a director these ideas um, and coordinated with, you know, the cinematographer and other people to kind of bring that to life. And it made it feel slightly different from the previous films, for sure, Uh, which I thought was important. Uh, Maybe part of it being that, you know, he has as creed has uh matured a little bit and so what is something that we can move this into the next generation um i would like to see from start to finish more visually interesting sports films that are not just about the gritty thing or the uh you know catching the good <laughs> shot but like yeah using actual like movie magic and so that was pretty cool
1: yeah i mean a film that does it really well that was at this point ahead of its time was the Wachowski sisters um, mm-hmm. Speed Racer. If you ever go back to watch that film, yes. it does a really oh, good starring job.
0: starring Rain. <laughs> right.
2: And, and that is literally based on anime. So yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. And um, and and Wachowski sisters in general, like their uh, Matrix movies in some ways, you know, highly yeah. influenced. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. I mean, if this really was... Um, like a straight up setup of sports anime in the middle of that void fight, they would have at least three flashback sequences yes, talking yes. about like remember. it would have
0: taken the punch, wouldn't have landed until Creed 4. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, we
2: the layered storytelling that we're used to and the time fluctuations that we're Which used to, I
1: kind of feel like would have made a stronger fight at the end because I uh-huh. think they needed to, like, I don't they they need to deal with their childhood trauma that's that's the the central theme of this film is come to terms with your past right and
2: yeah i think it needed
1: a couple more like you're already in like the metaphor of them zoning everyone out
2: yeah it was go the extra mile (laughs) it needed a few extra moments i think um because i think the setup you know between them is intriguing but i did feel that when it got to down to it it you know, a fight is just the beginning of them getting back to being friends, I feel. So we need to... I, I would have liked a few extra scenes, but... Yeah. And 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 you could have put it <laughs> in the middle of a fight with some flashbacks and other stuff. They should <laughs> have knocked montage. each other out. Yes, they should have knocked yes. each
1: other out, like in the yeah.
2: <laughs> Yes, exactly. The d- double punch. Anyway.
1: <laughs> I did love the... Um, say what you will about the stakes of the fight. The fight itself was really exciting. And there was a sequence Mm -hmm. where they were just like wailing on each other. Which, again, only happens in sports movies and sports anime. That was filmed really, really well. I feel like whoever did the stunt choreography in this did a good job.
0: My favorite part of the fight are the cute matching outfits that each side wears (laughs) with their homies. I was like, does this happen in real life? Because this is so adorable. Like, you got specially made outfits a whole theme Mm -hmm. like the trainers i got some you got the little like name on your waistband of your boxing shorts like you got the white you know him in the white and uh dame in like the pan-african like very like in, in like this very cool skirt Kind of situation. Um, it looks like gladiatorial, right? Was, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was very chic, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh, like I, I actually don't think Dame Anderson would wear that, but like for the visual, like look of this final fight, I thought it was very Dame lovely. Anderson." And would have, and
1: the Jonathan I, definitely would.
0: A hundred percent. Um, and I think we should get matching homie tracksuits <laughs> and work out together. Maybe. Sure. Yeah.
1: Sure. <laughs> that's my Um, proposal yeah (laughs) maybe we'll see (laughs) um one last thing that i really liked about this film was the um you know the first two films had the storyline of tessa thompson as someone who was losing her hearing and it was kind of like a half foot in the door disabled deaf storyline um that never sat completely well just because, you know, able-bodied people playing disabled people is all, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's a little iffy in in 2023. Um, but, you know, this film featured their daughter who is canonically deaf, played by a deaf actress, which was, uh, I think that was my main question watching the film is, is that girl really deaf? And She is. And she is.
2: Yeah, I think what I liked about it, besides her being just a very charming actress and they gave her some fun stuff to do, was the fact that her plot line was not about her being deaf, which I don't know if you've noticed, but so many movies and TV shows now are featuring deaf characters. It is like the new hot, you know, disability. Um, part of the reason why, besides it being my job that I've been paying attention to this, is one of my writers is uh, half deaf. And so we've been talking about it for like consistently over the like, past year or so. There's like, oh, this thing has a deaf character. This, you know, even like the circle has a deaf character in the, in the last season. And, um, and some of them are better or worse sort of representations, because most of the time, it feels like there was a show that I really like, where literally, when I talked to the showrunner, he was like, well, for this deaf character, we wanted to make sure there was a reason why they were there. And I was like, um what? Because I was like, or you could just write in, a character who also just happens to be deaf and that's their, you know, that's their role. And then he was talking about it. Like he wanted to feature something where it's like deafness was her superpower. And I was like, Oh no. <laughs> and so I was like, you know, deaf people are just people. And so that is my thing is I'm always kind of like on, uh, just sort of like anxious when I see a deaf character. Cause I'm like, will they just be allowed to be a person or will they have to be, you know, like, uh, disability superpower, uh, or inspirational porn, right? So, um, what I liked about her was yes, some people might take away that, oh, being deaf is fine, which duh. But at the same time, I think what the hopefully what I would take away from it was um, that she was very fun because she has a huge interest in boxing also and her dad's uh, profession. And so and I'm just fighting like, fighting bullies. And fighting bullies. And also, I was just like, so Creed 5, Creed 6, I would like to see a grown up Amara. Uh, boxing (laughs) and see what that's like. Uh, I think for the Creed thing to progress, I think we need to get into female
0: boxers. Yes. And, you know, I think Creed and about Creed, Rocky, very, you know, very known themes of exploration about masculinity, Mm -hmm. about, like, about that. But, yeah, it would be interesting, you know, if they do continue on this yeah. <laughs> On that thread um in the future what what that means especially like a father daughter relationship mm-hmm. which is very interesting because that's different right you like I, I feel like men would be like yeah my son can box but like my my daughter mm-hmm. um and then that reflects has some echoes of real life you know Muhammad Ali and Layla Ali. Yeah. Yeah. Layla Le- Ali was the was the carrier of his sports legacy mm-hmm. um and his greater legacy as a civil rights fellow. So um I I and I wonder of how much her deafness would factor into yeah yeah and
1: that. like we mentioned Rocky at its core is a story about underdogs and so it's like the story is built in the story writes itself at this point right if, if- yeah
0: but she co- she's coming from generational wealth now <laughs> yeah, so, <you laughs> know. she's a nepo baby at this point yeah uh- <laughs> and I'm sorry but like I don't care okay actually the most glaring thing is I refuse to believe Bianca would allow. A large wallpaper of Adonis <laughs> Creed be that present in their common living space. Their house I mean, was that's... ridiculous. And that <laughs> definitely stood out for me. Um, so I, I
2: actually, I really did enjoy her character. I thought re- the representation was done tastefully. Uh, a part that was, you know, like, hey, a little bit on the nose was having dame uh visit and then learn how to sign <laughs> in order to say hello but also for his character not to make a big deal of it was good so and there's, you know there are whole stuff. scenes
1: whole emotional <laughs> scenes in this film all done through sign language which yeah
2: yeah, yeah. the fact that they so, had the guts
1: to do that was pretty cool
2: yeah so i i liked that maybe some of the biggest takeaways from this film were you know visual that weren't like the dialogue was kind of eh so, you know, maybe it was for the best um, yeah. that we got the anime. We got uh, this character uh, who's played by Mila. Um, but yeah, so I I kind of enjoyed her.
1: All right. So on that note, final thoughts is Creed Three good pop?
2: Yeah, I, I'll say it is. I think it, maybe there's some things that could have been improved for sure, but it was still a good time at the movie theater visually, and it made me. I Don't love boxing, so I did uh, appreciate what they did with it.
0: Yes, it was a, as I, you know, even though I have a lot of critiques, I had a really good time. Um, I think that it's interesting how far you could take a character that is a spinoff of another character that was like a secondary character in another major franchise, <laughs> and it could be this good. Um, and I'm excited, you know, I don't think the creed. I don't think the Rocky Cree train is going to stop anytime soon. So hopefully we'll get some other interesting characters in this world and more cool nicknames.
1: Yeah. I also <laughs> thought it was good pop. Um, definitely. You know, as the only person here probably who've seen all of the Rocky movies how you've seen all of them too, right? Uh,
2: no i I think I fell off after Rocky <laughs> okay. three, so I did not see the Drago one. <laughs> oh and so, no! And I did not see Creed two, so apparently oh. I missed the whole Drago he, legacy. You didn't
1: watch the Drago saga?
2: No, I missed the Drago saga, <laughs> but uh, having seen him like for a split second in this movie, I was like, maybe I'll go check that out because Play- Delph Lundgren is ridiculous, and yeah, played he's, uh, by
1: uh, Florian Montano, who is Razor Fist from Shang Chi
0: oh okay. yeah maybe i'll check it out but i mean again i also also i know that like heavyweight has no upper cap but it is ridiculous that ivan drago john the majors michael b jordan and chavez are the same weight class that's ridiculous <laughs> i am so confused
2: too because i know like some people like me movie uh magic. holds their holds their uh Let's see, muscle mass more compactly, um, but at the same time, I'm still very confused. I don't, I don't, I, I would like a boxing expert to actually say whether or not that what we saw on screen was accurate, because right. Jonathan the Major's definitely looks like a different weight class. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, but going back, um, as a fan of the franchise, I definitely feel like there are certain things that could have been tweaked to make this more of like a Rocky Creed film. But overall, like it gives you everything you need. Training montage, dope fights, great fight choreography, and just over-the-top boxing action. Which is, you know, 90% what you come to Creed 3 for. And it definitely did make it worth the $50 I spent at the Alamo Draft House. Um, so yeah, I definitely think it's also good pop. Um, and with that, that'll do it for our regular discussion of Creed 3. Um, Jess Han. If you want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go?
0: My trash takes are on Twitter still, at Just You Tweets.
2: And I'm at Hanonymous.
1: You can find me at Marvin Yue. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. Um, we are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Check out our fellow Asian American podcasts by going to the website podcastpotluck.com and yeah thanks for listening to Good Pop uh, we're gonna jump into our spoiler cast after the break I think Jess has to go since she has a heart out so just me, me and Han um, so yeah stick around um, or not but until then thanks for listening and we'll see y'all next time bye everybody
0: bye bye
1: Representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallspruce.com. Peace. Peace. All right. Welcome to the good pop spoiler cast for Creed Three. Um, where we'll be discussing I mean, again, this is a <laughs> film that does not necessarily need to be spoiled or can be spoiled because you're kind of you kind of know what you're going for, right? Like our hero will win either... Well, that's not true, actually, right? Rocky doesn't always win in his films. And Creed doesn't always win either because Creed did not win in the first film.
0: I
2: literally cannot remember the first film except for liking it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, the
1: first Creed film, um, Adonis Creed goes a distance but does not win. He loses ah. by split decision um, but wins a moral victory because he knocks the guy down for the first time in his career. Um, Similar to in Rocky 1, Rocky doesn't actually... Beat Creed, um, in the first film, he, but he goes a distance, outperforming what people thought he could do as like a underdog.
2: Okay, all right. Yeah. But yes, I feel
1: like in this film, because they set up, um, Jonathan Majors's um character Dame as the bad guy, um, Creed had to win, and you knew Creed was going to win,
2: right? Because they were yeah, because they were a little bit obvious about antagonism. Um, so in a way, they almost had to. Also make it a ethical, you know, victory too, <laughs> because he played clean. Um, if you couldn't tell, which I I was, as much as we're talking about the cute outfits, I was a little bit worried about how very literally black and white the costuming was between was the two. It was not subtle, right? Yeah. So basically, in case someone didn't notice it, um, because you don't notice fashion, uh, but. Creed he gets to wear an all white outfit which has a shades of gray that makes it an American flag so he's literally a patriotic but all white you know white knight sort of. and then when it came to Dame he does have some good colors there I think more African colors but it is a black outfit um, and so I'm just like really couldn't you just give him some red or something else because- yeah I
1: guess one of the things I wish this film did a little bit more of was like have more of a message on stuff besides the sports metaphors, right? Like you have mm-hmm. the character of Dame who spent 18 years in prison.
2: Oh, yeah. That was like really interesting to me. And yeah, yet, in
1: there is again, like a really good rocky storyline about a guy who missed his shot but wants a chance and like puts his heart into it. But the film kind of muddies his character by making him succeed through crime. Right.
2: yeah yeah and and it was also like, Hey, you know, eighteen years that's like nothing to sneeze at, and that means like all of his formative years were there, and also years where he could have been building up some sort of like uh skills resume, and so basically the only thing he had to fall back on was fighting because you know he could train himself you know within um prison, but at the same time, I was like even if they kind of referred to him trying to do other jobs or learning skills that didn't apply or something, like, I want to know more about him. And I think that was sort of a missed opportunity, for sure. Yeah, I
1: think the the personal stakes were a little muddied, right? Because mm-hmm. you have a really interesting storyline about the reason Dane went to jail was to protect Adonis, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's this, like, Though their main conflict is Dame thinks that Adonis bailed on him, which he kind of did, right? Yeah. He kind of erased him from his life. Yeah. And now they have to deal with that like that gap now that they're back together again. Yeah,
2: um, there was a... Th- the unfulfilling part for me was the mother, of Felicia Rashad's character, Marianne Creed, which I think I mentioned or alluded to earlier before we went to the spoiler part of this, which, you know, she dies in this film. And I was unmoved. <laughs> which is not great because um, part of it was s- something where she was the one who kept dame's letters from creed. And therefore that's why, you know, he didn't keep up with him, but also of course he could have reached out himself. Right. Um, so that's not just on her, but it just felt like such a r- ridiculous device. Like, yeah, this is why we haven't heard about him in the previous two films. <laughs> it's
1: because Yeah. The pace it- to get up to that final fight was just a little like it, there wasn't enough character development yeah. um, to make that final fight like feel like feel emotionally like to provide the emotional stakes for that final fight. The final fight was still dope, but right. I would have loved to see more like like something that was missing in this film was the night before, right? Something that um mm-hmm. I think a lot of these, a lot of sports film has, like the night before jitters, where you're kind of like doubting yourself, thinking about what this fight means to you, what the stakes are kind of building that up. Like, I felt like, I don't know if it felt like this to you, but we, when they, when we got to the Dodger stadium, Mm -hmm. like reveal, I was like, are we here already? Is it already? It felt really abrupt, right?
2: It it was um, because I think when we're talking about too many plots, like I could have dealt without the whole Felicia Rashad plot because you're right. I think they shortchanged the backstory because if we actually saw them together in the group home, um, We would have felt more of their interactions before just, you know, them running away from like this thing or like uh, running from a fight and then getting in trouble. Like it felt like the few times we saw them together were only for that one specific night that we were supposed to understand what happened. And so they didn't actually give us the brotherhood that would have given us stakes for when they faced off against each other. You know, then we would have been like, okay, because they kept talking about they would say it oh, he was like a brother to me. And I'm just like, yeah, but, you know, we can't just take your word for it. Let's see some of it. Um, I don't want to say the whole show don't tell sort of thing, but (laughs) sort of, when it comes to a movie, I would like to be involved with the emotional um, backstory too. It didn't
1: feel, and maybe this is, like, again, we've mentioned, like Michael B. Jordan is, he's a fine actor, but up Mm -hmm. against Jonathan Major's like, Jonathan Major was definitely acting circles around everyone else in this cast, right? Yeah, which and, is
2: strange because Tessa Thompson is one of my favorites. But, you know, and Mike Bajoran is great. Well, she but she hasn't yes. really
1: given much to do. Like, again, no, this is the she, second film in a row that does not pass the Bechdel test.
2: Oh, it literally, why is she there except looking really great in a pantsuit, let me say. <laughs> but um, because I was just like, what a waste. When I was I, when I like I left the movie, I was just thinking, what a waste of like. I mean, she got her money. But that's so. been her
1: character for the last two yes. films, too. Right.
2: right, and I get the Creed movie started earlier, where her career maybe wasn't as big, but at the, and so she's just kind of coasting right now. So like, good for her, whatever. But at the same time, I'm just like, just if you have her, let's do something with her. <laughs> um, yeah. So in the face of Jonathan Majors for sure, and I think I do, I want to say also like. It is also hard to direct yourself. And I will say that when Michael B. Jordan is acting, maybe he was also like, had his attention split for things because there were definitely some choices that could have been made to give Creed more interiority, right? Um, because we didn't feel that much conflict. It was like a little bit of conflict. And then all of a sudden he's like, uh,
1: "Yeah, we he, got- he's
2: throwing down the gauntlet. And then you get the montage. And so I was like, wait, what?
1: And like, anytime he like starts to like question himself, you have his support network telling him it's not your fault. Yeah. Which I guess it's not your fault you were a kid, but also you you did like kind of write your buddy out of your life, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. He should have been feeling way more guilt. So that is the (laughs) other issue I had with the victory at the end where it's just like, well, like you just beat him and then now your friend is all of a sudden respecting you? Like I would be more resentful, you know? <laughs> and then, so that last locker room scene, I feel like people, In on one hand, I'm glad that they have a moment where they're talking a little bit of something out versus, oh, we're still Mortal it enemies, was a little
1: clean right that it was i think
2: too clean it made no sense like at no time did he even ever i don't want to say he should throw his mom under the bus but at no time did he ever say <laughs> i never got your letters you know
1: right and i guess yeah it's a missed opportunity especially for that fight being as hype as it was for it not to be as emotional as it could have been right because these are two like basically what that fight should have been is both of them kind of leaving it all on the table and like resolving their issues through fights which is an anime thing to do and a very um rocky thing to do too right and they went halfway there with the void right the void is them tuning everything out and focusing on each other
2: that was super cool
1: but i feel like they could have gone a little bit further with the metaphor and like if they're already in like this dream void why don't we have them talk to each other while they fight right or yell at each other while they fight I think like really confront is, each other.
2: I think this might also be something where it could be. I don't want to be really snotty about this, but it could be a cultural disconnect because I don't know how many times I've said that what I'm missing from martial arts uh, content that you know when you're talking about like the Cobra Kai's and whatever is there's no actual storytelling with the martial arts. Like the martial arts, the actual fights themselves should be telling a story. And so I feel like when they use these anime influences, they focused on the visual aspect of it, but not the actual impact and meaning that could be part of that. Um, Because, yeah, it looks cool, but there's also reasons why they do avoid, you know? There <laughs> there's reasons why there's a visual aspect to it that's making you understand that this is their focus between the two of them. And it's not just because they're focused on each other, but because this is all like this is their this is their relationship. And so yeah, you're missing out on the actual dialogue of whatever their relationship is, whether or not they yeah. want to do it in a flashback or whatever. So what, yeah. what are
1: they trying to prove to each other, right? Because the whole impetus for the fight is Dame calling Adonis out on the Stephen Smith show, right? And saying, I challenge you. (laughs) And it's like, you're (laughs) like, like, yeah, like, what exactly is, what does Creed win by defeating Dame?
2: Yeah, it's just. Is it absolution?
1: It's not absolution because, like, there is no absolution, right? It's respect. (laughs) Like,
2: yeah, he basically, I guess, won his, his, uh, his sports legacy not to be tarnished because you know we also found out that dame sort of underhandedly hired someone to get rid of drago's son um and that's why he had to step into the ring to go against you know guerrero uh felix and but that doesn't um, really
1: do anything to his legacy it's just him
2: no like well well like no i mean his Khan, legacy right no his legacy meaning um creed is now what, a manager or sports, whatever, sponsor, whatever he is for Felix. And so for him to shank him by taking one of his big matches that would have made him a lot of money, that was like a threat to his livelihood. And Yeah,
1: but that that conflict's way less interesting than like...
2: Oh, for sure. (laughs) I, I totally agree, which again, it didn't really make much sense why that would be a big thing for me to care about in this last match. And so, uh, yeah, there was just a lot going on that I was like, ah, you know what, sometimes, I didn't want to say like the Occam's Razor thing, it's like, it's right there. The storyline, you've already set up the brotherhood issue. You need to like just lean into that more. And instead of yeah. with all of these other things.
1: As a self-professed fan of Naruto, I'm surprised <laughs> that aspect wasn't pulled off as well as it could have been. Um, that being said, though, pulling an airplane during training montage Definitely, <laughs> amazing.
2: all the credit to the montage there because yeah, pulling a little biplane behind you
1: and <laughs> the just... inexplicable mirror on that the, runway from the stage. There was two.
2: a literal big, like almost like chalkboard-sized mirror on this runway, which I was just like, "Bless you for including it, so we can see his him, you know, admiring himself and his definition." But also, why? <laughs> it's like that, I feel that would be a distraction to any pilot. You know?
1: Yeah, right. I mean, you know, thematically, uh, it was awesome. Yeah, but practically, that, but then also practically, you wouldn't be training by pulling an airplane. Also, if you're like, here's something like. So, I feel like this. Like again, I keep bringing this back to Rocky Balboa, but that's like the mm-hmm. clearest analog is about Rocky Balboa is about like it's about training people who are older. But I think they did a better job during that the Rocky Balboa training montage because in that mm-hmm. film. Duke, the father of Wood Harris's character, Duke Jr., is training Rocky to like fight against this young man. And pretty much there's a scene where saying, like, you're too old to train like these young people mm-hmm. do. So we're gonna train you to hit as hard as possible. Mm. And then so all of his training is just crazy strength training. I wish there was some context to to this as well. But again, Donnie and Dame weren't as old as old Rocky in that film. So I guess
2: I, it kind of yeah, makes I'm, sense. I'm also curious about that because um they did almost nod to that they said we're gonna make your weaknesses your strengths or whatever but they didn't say how <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like okay I'm just going to uh, assume that you're doing it <laughs> but yeah, uh, the, I do have to say Jonathan Majors for his training montage he has a great one where he's like not just climbing a rope but he has two ropes in each hand so he's almost iron crossing it up all the way which oh, is he was w-
1: soaring off the entire time he's it just was like- <laughs>
2: ridiculous uh, he also is in uh, it was at Sundance. There was this indie film called Magazine Dreams where he plays someone who is uh wants to be a bodybuilder and to be in those bodybuilding magazines. So this was probably good timing one way or another. I don't know which film came first, <laughs> but he's been working on this body for a while. So it's kind of ridiculous what he can do with it.
1: Yeah. And he's definitely not in the same body class as Michael B. Jordan.
2: I, yeah, that man I, has
1: like at least... Thirty pounds of muscle on. on. Yeah.
2: I don't know where the the cutoff is, but I was like, yeah, they're so not. Um, but you know, it's fine. Like, I'm okay with accepting that they are supposed to be the same. You know, suspension yeah. of disbelief in this aspect. I was like, fine.
1: Yeah. Well. I know we um, nitpicked on a bunch of stuff, but we really did have a lot of fun. It definitely was a fun film to watch at the Alamo. Um, not only because I was able to drink beer while watching it, but also yes. it's a fun movie. Um, definitely one that you, you know, just turn off your brain. Don't think too hard about it. Just enjoy <laughs>
2: Don't be like the us. boxing action. <laughs> <laughs> I can't turn off my brain, so like I'm always going to see those. But I still appreciate it. So Yeah.
1: On that note, I guess we should call it for our... Creed 3 spoiler cast Um, was fun to get this stuff off my chest with you. (laughs) And yeah, thanks to everybody who stuck around and listened to us talk about Creed 3 some more. Uh, We'll see y'all next time. Bye everybody.
2: Bye.